girl Vanna, the host of the Hood Talks podcast, where community voice is celebrated, elevated, and uplifted. Join us for our next show. We are live, live from the Hood Talks podcast page. Ooh, another show, y'all. Another great, another great show. Please join me, y'all. If y'all are tuning in right now, I'm going to give it a little minute. I do want to talk about real quick uh, the T-shirt giveaway, but give me a moment. Please, if you in here and you watching, share this live because, I mean, every woman needs to hear this conversation, okay? Because it's going to be a real one today. Real talk. <laughs> we are talking no more superwoman. No more superwoman. A conversation around superwoman syndrome. What is that? How is it affecting Black women right now? We're going to get into all that later, okay? But if you are, again, watching this live, please share and tune in because you get the opportunity to win a t-shirt. And how are you going to get to win that t-shirt? You must be following us on Facebook. You must also share the live and comment women in the comment section, okay? That's how we're gonna do it. I will post that again in the comments of how you can win, uh, get in the drawing to win a t-shirt. And then we are gonna get into this conversation. Thank you guys for joining us on this rainy day in St. Louis, but hey, it's a good day for this conversation. Good morning, ladies. How are you all doing? I appreciate you all being here. I am going to let you all get into introducing yourselves as we ain't got time to wait because this conversation is going to be good and I want to get it all in. All right. All right. So, Miss Leslie, can you please introduce yourself, please? And thank you. Of course. Good morning. Uh, I am Leslie Gill. I'm the president of Rung for Women, an organization that uh, helps women elevate and transform their lives. And so, we have a women's center in South City on Sydney Street in St. Louis, Missouri, and really a space where women can come and build community, uh, elevate their career, and just have space to unpack, unwind, and uh, invest in themselves. And so I am super excited to be here today. And I can't wait to have this conversation. So thank you for having me. Thank you for being here again. Uh, I appreciate it. Uh, give me your time and being in to join us on this great conversation. Miss um, Laura, I'm going to let you go next and introduce yourself. Hello, everyone. My name is Laura Gully. I am first a mom of two boys. Um, Chandler and Kaden, 15 and 19. So we write in the thick of things, right? And uh, also work with a, a gem of an organization called Generate Health. Um, and our role in community is looking at addressing the root causes of infant and maternal mortality, um, elevating and centering the voices of those that are most impacted by health disparities and social inequities. So we um, really are looking at how do we not just add more programs and services, but we know it's necessary, but look at what are driving some of those root causes and interrupting and disrupting our communities flourishing and thriving to its fullest potential. So love, love to be here. So such a, I'm gonna say like have a girl crush on Shavana Spratt. Like I, I so appreciate you, you know, using and lifting up your voice to, um, you know, bring some content, some critical issues to our community. So I appreciate you asking me to come. 
Yes, thank you, Miss Laura. Yeah, shout out to Miss Laura. She was like a very a, much of a help at the beginning of this process. So she is one of the reasons the Hood Talks podcast is still up and going. And I, again, appreciate everything that she does. Her and Generate Health and shout out to Flourish STL. Okay, because they over there doing the work. I ain't just talking about it, they being about it. And that's what we love. Um, so thank you for joining me, Miss Laura. And oh, y'all, you talking about, oh, I'm so excited. I'm sorry, y'all, because I am like, this lady here is so inspirational to me. Um, the first time I heard her speak, I believe it was at Ford through Ferguson. And man, like just all of the work that she is doing in St. Louis and, and her organization, Please, I am so grateful that she is here. I'm grateful that all you all are here. Um, but Miss Rebecca Bennett, thank you. Thank you. This is like the highlights of my podcast season. Thank <laughs> you for being here and gracing the Hood Talks podcast page. Please let the people know who you are. Indeed, indeed, beautiful sister. Thank you so much for having me. It is my distinct pleasure and honor to be here with you, Shavanna. I have watched her light shine and rise. We need your medicine in the world. And of course, I am big fans of Laura and Leslie as well. So I'm in great company this Saturday morning. Um, I, like Laura, am the mother of two beautiful uh, little humans. They are 10 and 7, and they are girls, Willow Ofia Mojishala and Sage Ifeoma Olubumi. And so uh, I, get to, I get to maintain and extend the lineage of powerful sisters uh, in this world. Uh, in my calling and in my profession, beyond my family uh, commitments, I am the founder of a company called Emerging Wisdom, which is all about social and community transformation. I'm also the founder of a nonprofit called Empower Institute, which is a center for community healing. Um, and we are a community of healers and teachers and change agents and activists and spirit workers and artists and revolutionaries all sort of working together to advance the wholeness and well-being of ourselves and our peoples. Uh, and specifically, I'm also the founder of the Black Healers Collective, right? And that's an initiative of Empower Institute. But we are change agents who are focused on advancing wholeness and well-being of African diaspora people. So we are committed to Black folks being well, uh, to Black families being well, to Black communities being well, um, as a part of a larger effort to ensure the well-being of our species. So we root in our culture and we reach to the world. Uh, so yes, that's, that's just a little bit about me today. And now you could go on and on and on about all the great things. All you ladies could. I know you guys are so busy out here really doing the work again in the community. And uh, I appreciate the time. Um, so let's get into it. Let's get into the conversation because I'm excited. I feel like this is personal for me. I am still uh, trying to figure out how to not be a superwoman. I don't want to be it anymore. <laughs> I don't want to be that. Um, and so ladies, if someone is watching um, from your point of view, and I, this is again like conversation flow, like we having girl talk, what would you say is um, a way to identify what superwoman syndrome truly is? Um, like what, 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 what does that look like? Um, Cause some women say I'm a superwoman and they're proud about it, but what would be something that um, they can notice like a trait that's superwoman syndrome? This is leading to superwoman syndrome. <laughs> okay, how deep do you want to go? 
Let's get it, Mr. We keep it real and raw on the Hood Talks podcast. <laughs> okay, so I'm going to use some language that um, some people may not be familiar with. Uh, so that's all right. This is an opportunity to expand our frame of reference. I'm going to talk about appropriated racial oppression and appropriated gender oppression. So basically, I'm talking about racism and patriarchy, mm. right? And both racism and patriarchy. Racism in this country is expressed largely through the framework of white supremacy. It means that white is best. And, and in order for that to work, it also has to believe in an anchor in Black pathos, that is Black problems, Black people being problems, and, and, um, and, and Black people being problematic. That's, those are the poles. With regard to gender oppression, right now we're talking about the supremacy of men right, the inherent value and worth of men at the expense of the life and well-being often of women, right? So I want to talk about these two intersections. I could come in light and say, well, superwoman syndrome is when we try to do too much and, you know, we find ourselves often, the, the, the behavior is a response to structures that are oppressive. It is not our fault, but it is our work. So we need to start off and say that both racism and patriarchy in American society have required routine and daily sacrifices. And those sacrifices have been the bodies of black women. Mm. Right, I just wanna be clear about that. Now this is no disrespect to any other group of women or to black men. These right. systems are big enough to require routine sacrifices of a whole bunch of bodies. But specifically, I'm talking about black women. Right. Our productivity means that our value is only tied to our productivity. How much we can do and produce for others. Our talent is identified, extracted, consumed, and then we are discarded. And that pattern happens both in our public work lives and in our private family lives and in the larger context of our community lives where the expectation is that we will give and 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 give until there's nothing left. And the sacrifice is okay because it is shrouded in the myth of virtue. You see that it means being a virtuous woman willing to sacrifice all, all the time. That is oppression. It's not virtue. So I'm interested in what Leslie and Laura have to say, but I just, you know, you want to go deep, you want to go fast, let's get real. This is what it is. Let's get it. Let's get it. Can I just say one thing? Y'all done broke up my pen and paper because I'm taking notes here. Uh, Rebecca's speaking knowledge, and anytime she's speaking, I'm listening. And and I just want to just capitalize on some things that you said, Rebecca, just heightening the A. Can't add to what you're saying. Because what you're saying, it just broke down it at its common denominator of how we buy into and contribute to that mindset. And um, the structural piece, that is like, it keeps things going in ways that we're not even conscious that we're doing. Um, so I, what, I just appreciate how you just took it to this simplistic form of how it shows up in ways that we don't, we may not even be able to articulate. So thank you, thank you, thank you for just just elevating that to a way that allows us to see 
the things that may be invisible. Yeah, and I would just add, I thank you, Rebecca. I really appreciate that context setting. <clears throat> I think it will be important for this conversation because you know we all know what our, our lived experience is, but so often we overlook the fact that that lived experience is generational, right? We only know what we see and we can only change what we can change, but if we don't see something different, you don't know to do something different. And so that um, historical framework is really relevant as we talk about like why we are showing up this way is because of you know generations of people before us, women before us who also carried forward this way of being. So I appreciate you, Rebecca, for getting us grounded in, in what's important and helping us all understand that you know we don't just wake up and decide this is how we're gonna show up. Um, so much of this is just indoctrined into who we are as, as women, as people, and we've gotten it from generations um, before us. So thank you for that. Um, I'll, I'll add to, sure, of course. You just said so much is indoctrinated. I also want to say it's indoctrinated and violently enforced. Mm -hmm. Let us not take the violence out of the equation. Absolutely. When your great, 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 great grandmother was tired and did not want to go work in the fields, could she say, oh, I'm taking PTO? No. Uh -huh. Right. Absolutely not. Oh, <laughs> no. So, you know, I need a mental health day. No. Right. That's no. not how it worked. It didn't matter what her internal conditions were. It mm. didn't matter how bruised or broken her body was. It didn't matter if her heart was breaking. She had to produce. Mm. Yeah. She had to be willing to be of service to service comfort production and entertainment no matter what no matter what upon fear of death loss and violation mm. again and again and again now you take how many centuries of that right and i'm only talking about the advent of chattel slavery in the english colonies i'm not even talking about the french and the and the spanish colonies or the dutch right you take that 1619 to 1865, mm -hmm. right? How many generations is that? Mm -hmm. You got 244 mm -hmm. years. And then you add 100 plus years of Jim Crow uh, yeah. segregation <laughs> that required the same sacrifices under different titles. Mm -hmm. And then you add chronic concentrated poverty mm -hmm. yep. where you literally cannot earn enough to live yep. and you begin to see that this is a part of a very ugly inheritance that is not our fault that we work till we drop it is required and it is violently enforced and then it is socially normed to make it acceptable Ooh. That one, the acceptableness. We're yeah, that, that energy and trauma carries forward, right? Yes. So you don't know what you don't know. And then you grow up and you get educated and you show up in spaces where you, this is all you know, right? And so 
you know, how do you how do you start to demand different, right? How do you start to break those curses? Um, and I, I think it's interesting because Rebecca, you kicked us off onto something. Even the the moniker of Superwoman, right? You look at what we know super who we know Superwoman to be. Who does she look like? Right, not like us. institutional years at 244 years plus of just trauma and energy that's been carried forward and superwoman is like uh you know fiction uh the character who is like saving the day and and yes we do that all the time but i don't know that i i want to be her right, right. I, I, want, I want that positive energy um but i i want her to look like me and to um embody the things that are important to me because there are some characteristics of being a superwoman that are are really really necessary right they're necessities but for survival and i think that goes into what she's saying when we're talking about the system um it, it's 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 necessary i think because of the system to survive the system so it's becoming survival it's not like you know we, we we're choosing to have to be this way it's because we're, it's set up for us to be this way um i'm with you like i don't want to be superwoman but what what resources or what connections or what what village do i have to help support me so that i don't have to do it all um that's what i i i wanted to get into that a little bit too because i'm with you i'm tired of seeing women like i'm out here saving the day and i'm saving it all and yeah that's great we can do amazing things but we also should be trying to take care of self um and self-love and not be over exhausting all of us to save our community and our families it's, it's it's like no we should be also able to sit back relax and and take time for ourselves because what i said you can't which i know is like uh but you can't pour from an empty cup right that is gospel <laughs> it's it's real go ahead miss laura i'm just wondering about this this um these dynamics that are set up really they're not designed for us to be successful to begin with so when you already know that that image that you talked about leslie is was never designed for us um and when the um i think rebecca you were you you talked about this the the norms of how things were set up or d designed um for us to produce and when you don't produce you're discarded and buying into that mentality of you have a place to serve and that is how you define yourself or how society def defines you as a as a, a woman and I, I, how do we buy into that mentality of you know things that aren't really for our benefit it, it just i'm i'm it unearths me to think about you know the the no, the social and cultural norms that um were that are put in place but they're not put in place to our benefit rebecca i keep hearing you say 
this, you, you talked about being violent. Can, can you talk a little bit about that? There's some energy around, some intentionality around that design. Can you speak to that a little bit? Yes, Leslie, I, uh, um, uh, Laura, I, I wanna say <clears throat> that it is the natural inclination of the human being to rest when tired. Mm. Let's just strip, strip it down to its basic space. If anybody out there is watching and they have kids, right? When the baby's tired, they do what? Go to sleep. They go to sleep. And if you don't let them, they fuss like hell. <laughs> yes. Right? And he's like, what is wrong with this child? You're hungry? You need your diaper change? Or you're sleepy? What's going on? It's one of those three. <laughs> right? <laughs> or something's wrong. Mm -hmm. Right? So it is our natural inclination. I, I just want to, I want to, I want to take us back to that point because that's foundational. We rest when tired. We have energy when we have energy. We slow down when we need to slow down. That's the natural rhythm. Now, if you ask how many human beings, specifically how many black women are able to do that, I'm going to tell you that about 98% cannot. Now, how did it go that our rhythms got perverted? from the way that we came into this world to the way that we have to live now. It wasn't just through soft conditioning, soft, you know, oh, just, oh, I'll just stay up just a little bit longer, mm. <laughs> right? We had to be, we had to be molested. Mm. We had to be beaten. Right, we had to be compelled by poverty and other dire circumstances to push through the natural inclination to stop when needing to stop, to rest when needing to rest, to eat when needing to eat. There had to be collusion, perversion, and violence. Now it shows up in lots of different ways, right? I got a lot of the conversation. I got, I mean, I saw, I saw my mom raising me by herself, mm -hmm. working two jobs until I got out of grad school. Mm -hmm. Okay. You might say, well, that's not violence, but in order to provide with no help, yes. mate, right. right? In order to provide, she had to do what was necessary to ensure the stability and well-being of our family. Well, I, I wanna ask you, what are societies, what kind of societies do we live in that we allow in St. Louis more than half of our six-year-olds to live in poverty, six-year children ages six and under. And that's true in the city and the county, right? That has more than 70% of black households in St. Louis live on less than $35,000 a year. That is not individual income, that's household income. Mm. Right? And I am saying that the conditions that create the compulsion to always produce is violently enforced, is, is an act of social violence, collective violence. Because to not do it is to die. Mm. To not do it is to be unhoused. To not do it is to not have the basics, is to not have the food, is to not have the medicine. Right now, you add to that a whole host of social conditioning around to whom much is given, much is required. Right? Anybody ever heard that? Uh, absolutely. Mm -hmm. Yep. Right. Yep. 
you, you add to that, you know, your worth is in what you are able to do for others. You should put others needs first, the community first and yourself last, right? You add to that theological underpinnings that reinforce work. And mind you, I'm not anti-work, right? So I'm, I admit I'm a hard worker. And I would say that everything has its place in the order of things. So I, I just want to, you know, I want to say not to mention the very literal ways in which we were beaten if right. we did not produce, if we had less cotton today than we had yesterday, right? Or all of the ways in which we have been abused in our workspaces and places because we were the first hired and, and, and the last hired and often the most likely to be fired. So the ways in which we were violated and demeaned, right, and had our place of insecurity reinforced so that we would be grateful for the scraps of a culture that doesn't love us. Mm. So I, you know, there's, there is this, I, I wanna, again, I have to locate it, I have to talk about it and call it out in these terms because mm. otherwise we end up blaming ourselves mm -hmm. for and the propensities that we have. To work, we work to live, right? We take care of everything because we are the fence. We the wall that says this far and no further. And so often there is nothing behind us except our faith. Mm. So I wanna put that, I just, I wanna again, put that in context. I wanted, I do wanna say this other thing and then I'll uh, have it go back to the rest of um, our sisters here. And that is to say, let's not get it twisted uh, we have natural inclinations to be of service. Mm -hmm. We are highly talented, highly skilled. Black girl magic is real. Real. We have ways of seeing things, doing things, and being that are extraordinary and game-changing in every context and situation you put us in. And we are hardwired to want to be of service to ourselves and others. That is, those are natural inclinations. The perversion is when that is not enough. And instead, the requirement is that we consistently and perennially sacrifice ourselves. Hmm. I'm talking perennial sacrifice, not service. When the cost is our very lives, again and again and again and again, Something is wrong. Something is very wrong. So yes, we want to be of service. Yes, we have gifts and skills to use. Yes, we want to live within uh, what we believe is most valuable, right? And we want to do the best we can for our families and our communities and our loved ones and ourselves. But if, if the cost of that is to be the doormat for the world, right. then something is wrong. Whew. Yes, ladies. Yes, yes. I'm, so, I'm, I'm like you, Miss Laura. I'm already taking notes because I, I, I feel all of that. I feel all of that. Um, and I think, um, again, I, I hate that we've glamorified this being this superwoman because it is killing Black women um, in deadly numbers. And yeah, it's like, how do we not do that anymore? Um, and so, I, I mean, we're touching on a lot of like what it is and how it's happening and all of that but like how can we change the narrative that's what i want to get into now like for those who are viewing who feels like 
because I, I'm, I, I'm, I feel like I'm all of this. I am the one that's like, I, I have to be the mama. I have to be the community advocate. I have to, I, I'm, I have to produce. I have to give, even in all that I'm giving and, and producing. I still feel like I'm not doing enough. You get, ladies, if you feel me, hit it in the chat. You get mom guilt because you're like, you have to hand your baby off to somebody. You get, you know, you get guilty because you're not doing enough. Maybe eating healthy for yourself, so you get to get guilty about like how I need to organize or put that in my life. Uh, I'm not making a good four-course meal three times a day. My kids ain't eating properly. I'm not eating properly. So you start getting a lot of the guilt of not producing what is supposed to be the norms of you by yourself. And it's like, how do we how do we stop that? And how do we talk about a real village? Because that's nothing I want to get into. Um, it's real village. We telling people to get your village. We telling people to get support. But what that really looks like. Um, but let's start off with how can we stop the mindset and glorifying being this superwoman? How can we do that, ladies? Something that comes up for me is um, right off the bat of understanding how to recognize where where that line is so many of us and i'm gonna speak my own voice and my own truth at this moment is i didn't recognize when that line was crossed and i was sacrificing self meaning took on a lot of roles because i'm driven i want to accomplish some big things i want to do things for my family i want to accomplish things for myself took on a lot of roles, did things and, and was pleasingly happy and satisfied. But something happened during this transfer, transition of all of these roles that I didn't recognize that was impacting my health and well-being. It is really nice to have people around you that care about you, that can see things you cannot see. And my body was telling me things. I wasn't listening. My family was telling me things. I'm still driven. So being able to recognize when that actually becomes harmful sometimes isn't readily in your conscious, but it's in your soul, right? And listening to those, like that spiritual sense something's not aligned, something's out of order. Those things, like listening to that voice, training ourselves to listen to that voice, man, that's powerful. Because the world was telling me other things. You can do more, keep going. Oh, that's not enough. So what I found myself doing, my body was speaking to me. And I'm gonna share a quick story with you all really quick is I had my first child and was in bliss. Oh, I just wanted to do everything. I, you know, be everything. I'm up at night, body taking its toll, still recovering, just had this baby working full time, playing these roles. And something happened, you all, it scared the living highlights out of me. I fell down my stairs in my house with my baby in hand. Mm. And I could not understand how this happened. My body was telling me too much. I was not paying attention to the signs that my body was sharing with me. It shook me to the core that A, I could harm my baby. 
like that's that was like my treasure and i wasn't i wasn't aware enough to um care enough for myself but i'm gonna care for my baby that was the first like okay something's out of line alignment and i i share that story because i didn't even know you all in my conscious mind i didn't know but i was not in order and that was as you you talk about like where how how do you that voice that um spiritual connection with what you know to be that's what it was for me paying attention to that i'll add just a couple of um, practical tips so um for me you know i have um gotten good at saying no and uh also setting, you know, at the beginning of every year, my goals and intentions around what I want the year to look like. And if I get requests that don't fit into my vision for the year, um, I've gotten comfortable just saying, you know what, not now. And, um, and saying no. The other thing is I too am a mom of a 10 year old daughter. Um, and I recognize that she is watching every single move I make. I, I see, she now is interested in wearing my clothes just this morning. Mommy, can I wear one of your hoodies? And I'm like, I don't have a hoodie. Well, you have a sweatshirt. Let me get your sweatshirt, right? So, you know, we have these babies, these little people, these humans who are, are watching our every move. And so, you know, another practical tip for me is to be here now. I also try to teach her to be here now um, and that we need to give each other grace. I'm a single mom. You know, I have all the mom guilt in the world when I can't be every place that I'm supposed to be. But, you know, I'm also trying to teach her patience and to give me grace and to recognize that, you know, she will one day grow up and be in this world where there are lots of expectations placed on you. Um, and A, you know, you can only do what you can do. And B, it is okay to say no and, and to, to protect your, your own peace and to recognize when something is not aligned with your current vision for yourself. And so for me, those are the things that I just have been um, really protective of, of my time, my space, and how I show up primarily because my 10-year-old daughter is watching me and I don't want her to feel like as she gets older, she has to continue to perpetuate this, this syndrome, right? And so um, I, I've gotten good at saying no. I think that's a great point. Um, a lot of times we don't like to say no um, or we feel regretful for saying no. Um, but I also love that how you talked about having your daughter, because I have two girls and I think about that too. Like, you know, they see mommy doing this, everything. They're literally always with me, but they see me doing everything, but I don't want them to, to I even feel like sometimes I'm like, y'all always want to go like, sit down, <laughs> let's sit down. But I'm starting to see that, that they see mommy is like that. Mommy goes, 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 goes. They see you going all the time. So they think. Are they like, we're going to go, let's go, lady, what you doing? No, no sit at home and rest. But I, I, I like, don't know what it's like to sit still and be still and to be here now. I, I really 
particularly, I'm sure Rebecca, you see this with your little little ladies, like they they get that energy from us. And if we don't sit still, yeah. if we are always on the go, if we never say no and we react and respond to every single request, yeah. they are going to think that that is how life is supposed to be. Mm-hmm. And it's not. It's, it's not. not. So I, we are very good. She sees me go to the spine. Now she thinks she's supposed to go with me. But <laughs> She sees me take the time to exercise. She see, she now wants to join me on activities that we can do together at home, right? Um, we don't always have to be going and doing and moving and serving others. Uh, that, that notion of, you know, always saying yes is, is not healthy. Mm-hmm. It's not I do want to add to that, though, also, and part of part of helping our young ones do something different is we have to protect their ability to say no. Mm. You know, it's almost like we think that somehow we grow up and then we learn to say no. But if we're not supported in defending our identity and enforcing our boundaries as young ones, there's nothing magical about aging where we somehow then acquire those skills and abilities. Like I came in, I I grew up in a context where kids couldn't say no Mm -hmm. to authorities Mm -hmm. and adults, especially girl children. Yes. And because they couldn't say no, right, then we expect that when they are 30 and 40, they will say no. Mm -hmm. But their conditioning happened when they were young, that it was never okay to say no. You don't say no to me. Right. 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 You ain't got, yeah, that's, you know, what. You know, no, you ain't got no choices in my house. <laughs> I brought you in this world. I don't all, all, all that. All that. All that. All that, the fact that, that no is a bad word. Like yeah. to say no to an elder yes. was like not okay. No, not in our culture. Not in our culture. Yep. And I realize we're not a monolithic culture, but there's some things that, you know, are pretty uh, fundamental that show up again and again. Um, so I, I have a question because I struggle with this, right? We we are, you know, within generations mm-hmm. and there's the generation ahead of me. So parents, grandparents, great grandparents to some extent who still are very much traditional in that way. Yeah. But now I feel like I'm in this space where I'm, you know, raising this young person who is very much self-aware and has her own opinions, um, but that's not always supported. Right. Um, by and, and she's always respectful and, you know, does the things that she's supposed to do properly. But, you know, there's this real gap, even with women of a different generation who, you know, still are very much like you do whatever it takes, right? Yeah. And they, the, the appreciation for pulling back is not always supported. I'm gonna tell a story, uh, Leslie, here. Um, this is when we need to be courageous. Mm-hmm. And we need to be courageous uh, to honor the generations that are coming from us or through us um, and as we look to the generations that we come from. So one of my daughters, when she was um, young, really young, the, the oldest daughter, um, was talking to one of her grandmothers and her grandmother asked her to do something and 
Um, she said no. And um, her grandmother said, you don't say no to me, right? You do what I tell you to do. Now that's, that's common, right? In black households, that's common. And I happen to overhear the exchange. And I've always wanted my children to have different perspectives. It's the way mommy and daddy do it in the house, but you don't have to adjust to the world. Oh, and the world is not just made up of mommy and daddy. You don't have to deal with other people with different kinds of proclivities, different ways of being in the world, different discipline styles, all of that. So you might as well get used to it right now. Um, but I, I heard that exchange and, um, I, and I, I asked, um, I asked my mother and that's, and this, this, when I say my mother, know that I call both my biological mother and my husband's mother, my mother, right? So I asked my mother, I said, can I have a conversation with you for a moment? And she said, I could. And so I went and I had a conversation with her and I said, look, I know that you were trying to make sure that your granddaughter does things the right way, but you just told her that she can't say no. I said, and I want you to know that she can. Now, I didn't have that conversation right there in front of my daughter, though I did have a subsequent conversation, but I did have it with my mother. I said, she can say no to you. And I said, and the reason she can say no to you is because she can say no to me. Our instincts are to protect and preserve our lives. And part of that means being able to say no, like having some boundaries somewhere. And she was like, ah, you know, no, you can't do that. I said, whoa, 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 whoa. I just want you to understand for a moment, mama, just where I'm coming from. Consider this. How much incest was in your household and in your family? Hmm. Say it. Real talk. Real talk. Come on. Real talk. Right. We talked about all the ways that growing up, you know, you saw sisters, brothers, loved ones, uncles, parents, right? Violate, routinely violate little girls. Mm -hmm. By the way, this isn't just a little girl thing, but I'm talking about this specific experience. I said, and in any of those situations where you were growing up and a part of witnessing and a part of a household where this was going on, I said, did you ever feel empowered to say no? Hmm. And, and it shut her down. I said, did you ever feel empowered to say no? Did anybody say, no, it's, it's not okay. I said, no, no, see every power and force that was operating within that household context said, you should take it. Mm. I said, and, and look at what's happened. Right. We in generations of this thing. I said, how is it that you then expect your same grandchild to say no to the lecherous layman or to say no to the, to the teacher who says, come here, little girl, uh, and wants her to do something or to say no to the man that drives up on the street and says, get in the car. But she does not ever get the opportunity to say no. In, in her safe. In her, in, her, in her safe space. I said, where is she going to get that magical power? Right. To protect her own life when we never created a circumstance where it was okay for her to say no to authority. The first oppression that all other oppressions sit on is the oppression of children. Mm. So if she believes that it is in direct threat to her well being, I want her to say no. Now your job and my job is to help her discern whether or not this context is that. Is the right, okay. Right, so if I'm telling you to wash the dishes and you like, no, nah, but you eat every day, <laughs> I'll tell you this, you can have freedom of choice but not freedom of consequence in my house. If you don't wanna wash the dishes, I don't wanna cook. <laughs> so if I don't wanna <laughs> 
Now, you, go ahead, you don't have to wash no dishes when you're eating ether. But <laughs> need some broccoli, some carrots, some cheese pieces, some milk, and you're going to eat that off a plate. I suggest you get in there and wash those dishes. Okay. Everybody in the family has a role to play for the maintenance and well-being of the family. Right on the other hand, when it's a circumstance where you're like, I think this harms me, then tell me and let's talk about it. Yes. Right? That is how I am preparing these little humans for the world in which they find themselves. Mm. And so with your mother, Rebecca, with your mother mm-hmm. and your daughter, what was the context? Was it a no, I don't want to wash dishes? Or was it a no, like... I don't even remember, Leslie. I don't remember, but I knew I never wanted to hear again, you don't say no to me. Yeah. Because that shuts down any, any, that's an absolute. Yeah. Right? Like right now, you can be like, I'm not hearing that no right now, young lady. Cause it's time to go to bed. You tell me you want to go to bed. It's like, you got to go to school in the morning. Put your little butt in the bed. No, right? Like, you know, we aren't, we aren't any less black. <laughs> but we, are we are nuanced, right? And I just had to, and when she heard it and I put it in that context, she was like, you know, she's still old school, but she got what I was saying because she- And being open to that, shout out. And then we did. Shout out to that though. So I feel like that's a, a, a gap too. It's like sometimes you get the, the elderly and you know, they're like, oh, well, you know, this how we did it. So it was good enough for you and you made it and blah, blah, blah. But clearly I ain't make it too well. But anyway, so right. Like, can you be open-minded enough elderly, you know, the grandmas and the great grandmas, can you be open enough to, you know, get in some of what we're coming from? And I love how you not only tell her, don't say it again, you know, but you gave her a reason on why you're trying to, you know, tell her that she has the ability to say no um and how important that is because i think yeah it's just like maybe you know oh no don't do it the way i told you to do it and i think that's what's gotten the generation where it's like right closed off you yeah. can't say no you can't say um they you want can't you speak to, out you can't speak they want you to stay in your place stay right. in your place that's that's what's gotten us where we are right. in our community but <laughs> i'm hearing from rebecca that exchange is you interrupted that pattern. Yeah. Like you you created another pathway forward to be and to behave and to show up and for both generations, yeah. right? So that, I mean, that is powerful yeah. beyond measure for your daughter, for sure, because yeah. of all the experience she will have the opportunity to say no to, but to also reframe for mom yeah. the opportunities or the, you know, that how things have aligned in such a way that you know created the the existing you know experience so i i think you framed it in such a way that gives another you know it's a retraining a reframing and, and look they didn't get that way by accident mm-hmm. it's okay. not their fault either we not have to show fault. some compassion absolutely they had heavy hands coming at them a lot of what was called discipline was abuse. Yeah. Like, let's just be real and true. Yes. Right? They were beaten. They, when they say, I beat the black off you, they meant it. It happened to them, yeah. right? All oppressions, all oppressions make the first police of the oppressed, the oppressed. Mm. I want you to sit with that for a minute. 
in an effort to save our lives, what did black enslaved parents do? If they knew looking at Massa would get you killed, right? Talking to Miss Jane on the sidewalk, not holding your tongue, then what they needed to do was to anytime you got a half an inch out of line, they needed to censure you or beat you. And it wasn't mainly because they didn't love you, but it's because they knew that you lived in a world that would slay you. And I don't mean the way we say slay now, like slay girl. I don't mean that. Mm -mm. I don't mean that. So they knew that you lived in a world that was unforgiving, that believed in black pathos and that would destroy black bodies with no reason. So they had to, they had to overcorrect. They had to police their children mm -hmm. in order to keep their children safe. And that meant, let's be honest, that meant hurting their children to keep them safe. Now I'm using the context of blackness, but I could also use the context of, of gender. Who is it that teaches girls what it is to be women? And often what we're taught it is to be women is based on patriarchal notions, not our own. Right. Right? So I'm teaching you a woman's virtue. I don't want you to be out here in these streets whoring around. I need you to be a lady. I don't want you to be, right? All of that. Who, who said that to you? Was it your father first or your mother, your grandmother, your auntie? Your mama. You understand your mama. And why? Because they understood that this is a world that violates Black women, that violates little girls, that takes from us mm. for no reason. So they worked to make sure that we didn't give any reasons in an effort to try to keep us what? Safe. But it also meant and often meant hurting us right? Hurting us, not, not supporting us in the free and full expression of who and what we are or our sexual identities or our interests, right? It often meant quieting us, yep. right? So I'm saying that we don't stand outside of those patterns. So we need to notice it. We need to notice it mm. when those patterns arise. And we need to respond to the other generations with a bit of compassion, right? With a bit of compassion, um, and with the truth is we understand it, right? And so in my instance, I was trying to say, mama, I hear you on your circumstances, mm -hmm. right? Let me right. go back to your childhood. Mm. How exactly. did it feel? Acknowledging their trauma and bringing them, oh, that's a good one. That is a right? good one. Like did bringing you back to how you felt. How Ooh. did you feel, right? Were there circumstances where you wished you could have said no, damn it, no. <laughs> yes. Right? And, and did those things happen not just in your childhood, but as a grown woman? Mm. Absolutely, they right? did. As an elder. Okay, how did you do that differently? That was the conversation you had. Yeah. To Laura's point, you changed that trajectory. And, and we have to be brave enough and courageous enough to have those conversations in a meaningful way when particularly when we're sandwiched in those difficult situations, right? Mm -hmm. Rebecca just gave us a brilliant example of how you do it with grace. Yes. Help someone else understand the importance of it. Mm -hmm. I, I had a very similar situation just two days ago. Mm -hmm. Different circumstance, but again, it was this, I was sandwiched in this place between what she was saying to my daughter 
Because in her elder way, like a kid needs to stay in their place, right? Right. I'm like, no, 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 no. What you're asking her to do is be dishonest, right? Mm -hmm. So again, whether it's saying no or whether it's withholding all of the facts and the truths, all of that creates energy and trauma that we carry forward. And unless we are really courageous about saying, I'm drawing this line in this sand right now, and I'm not going to continue to perpetuate this. I'm not going to continue to be superwoman. I'm not going to, I'm going to learn how to say no. I'm going to, you know, have those graceful conversations with elders when I want to do things differently, right? Or with little people who need to understand the importance of these conversations. We, it, 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 it requires courage. I mean, and, and when you have that level of self-awareness, you always sit in this space of being courageous, right? Um, I, I, deal with, it's, it's, I deal with it every day, but I'd rather be courageous honestly over superwoman like I, I want that courage right I'm had the courage to be able to say no to to stop this energy from moving forward and that I think Rebecca that is so brilliant um, yeah. it's it's that courage to to recognize the situation and and to Laura's point do something different yeah that's that's the key right there and that's kind of why i wanted to highlight this conversation is because now we're at a we're at a stall where we can now talk about how we can move forward and do something different um and i think a lot of women are at that point too <laughs> they like uh-uh, look we gotta switch the game up and do something different um so i do i know leslie you're short for time um so you'll be dropping off soon but i do want to get into how can we, again, change society norms? And then let's talk about what true support, um, you know, looks like for, for, let's really get down, like you said, keep it real and raw. We have black women who are, you know, the head of household, they're walking, you know, working multiple jobs. Some of them are going to school. Um, some of them trying to be business owners now on top of working. Mommy and daddy, yeah, single by themselves, um, you know, and some just don't have any type of support, you know. So how can we as a community really like zoom in on and support these women um, who are in those situations? Because like, even if you're talking about say you like hey you can go get a massage that's great that's fine but someone is sitting at home thinking like am I gonna pay the light bill today or am I gonna pay you know to get some food on this table because or some formula or whatever so how can we really zone in and help these women um not have to be superwoman in a situation where they have no one else um at all I want to say that I understand the superwoman thing as um, having having lived it, right, and having found myself in the hospital hooked up to machines trying to figure out if I was having a heart attack. And, 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 and I was on my way to catch a flight to go do some stuff for business, and I had pain in the left arm, and I called my cousin, who's a surgeon, and I said, um, should I go to the hospital or can I just get on the flight? <laughs> <laughs> it be like that. You be like down to your nitty gritty. Like, like, right. Like, <laughs> you know, I was like, look, it, I don't think it's just, you know, I don't even know what that is. So I'm going to get on the plane. I, I just, but I just, he was like, excuse my language, sit your ass down. <laughs> <laughs> like, like, period. Go directly 
to the emergency room. I was like, no, 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 I got to catch this flight. He said, and you'll be dead mm. when you land, mm. right? So I, I want to, I do, I, you know, because I've been talking about, you know, uh, lineage and context and all of that. So I want to make it personal. Hey, look, I don't really understand this particular affliction. No, I'm deeply afflicted. Right? I'm afflicted. Um, I want to say a little bit more, but I recognize that Leslie has to go. So I want to give some actual things. Leslie, is there more that you want to say in these two minutes, though, before before yeah. you because you are so powerful? I, I just, I mean, I think we have to continue the conversation. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Uh, most importantly, and then secondly, you know, I, I don't know how we, um, as women, as Black women, get to a more, and, and I'm really struggling with this right now because I'm sure that you know, there, there's someone in our universe who is going through something and we probably all know her, mm -hmm. but how do we get to a point where we're okay listening to our bodies? Mm. And, and knowing that that means stop, pause, whatever the case may be. Like I, this week alone, I have really been struggling with you know, diagnoses that come and I know that, you know, we have no control over science and medicine, but in my, in my soul, I want to believe that we get symptoms and signs that we just ignore for far too long. And then when we're diagnosed, it's too late. Right. Mm, and so if I could leave this conversation with one thought is listen to your body. Um, if, if you're not listening to, you know, if you're not looking at yourself in the mirror and listening or listening to friends or family, but if we don't do anything else, take those signs and symptoms seriously. Like Rebecca, you just gave us another great example where you like somebody else had you, you were going to get on that plane had he not said, <laughs> sit your ass down. Yes. Because <laughs> I had. I look, I had already paid for this tuition, y'all. You know what I'm saying? So I was like, gonna get this education. Okay. Yeah, you know, that's what I was gonna say. Or Laura body no matter the sacrifice. Because that's Laura falling down the steps. Yes. It's it, real. Yes. You had some sign before you fell down the steps. You yes. had some sign before somebody told you to sit your ass down. <laughs> Please, 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 if we don't do anything else, don't ignore those signs because too many of us are dying yeah. from things that are likely preventable mm. only because we will not be still. Mm. And well, we're even using our energy on the wrong things. Come on now. Because that's another one. We have, like, you can have some of the, in the time and the energy, but we're putting it in the wrong buckets we're not putting it in for self so it's right. like we like oh we can find you know tw look i'm talking to myself here y'all don't it's <laughs> all right i could find little 30 minutes to sit here and you know try to like scroll through facebook or you know look at a tv show but it's like shavannah really get up go take a walk in the park get outside meditate do those when it's dumb things i'll be like why ain't got time to do it because we're not prioritizing i'm talking to myself too y'all right because i said this is personal baby this right. is personal right. because I'm trying to right, get the mindset that I should come first. Those things that are going to be good for me should be something that I do first and it should be a priority and everything else. Second. If nothing else is because your babies are watching. 
That might be how you prioritize you. Right. Parts. I, I was going to just say, so there, there's a prayer that I have because this mm. last year I was my sickest. I also worked my most, mm. right? Trying to lead COVID, regional COVID efforts, run the business, do the healing institute, homeschool the kids because I took them out of private school, decided that I was going to full-time homeschool them, right? This year, because my babies were not going back into a classroom where they were not safe. I want you to hear me, y'all. I know what I'm talking about, right? Mm. You know what I'm talking about. And, and I was my sickest, pneumonia, COVID, GERD, right? All of that, low stress, it was high stress. And these are responses often when my immune system is compromised, it makes me available and accessible to everything, right? Four hours of sleep a night, five hours of sleep. Y'all, look, I'm almost 50. I'm keeping it real. I know I look hey, good. Hey, you look good. You look good. What I used to do, right? I, four hours, are you freaking kidding me? I'm too damn old for that, right? But this is what I was doing in an effort to try to save our people. And da 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 da, da right? I know, right? I had all these good reasons. Okay. As I come out of that, mind you, because I just flew back into the States last night from St. Thomas. Ooh. Praise the Lord. St. Thomas and St. John. As I come oh. out of that, I have a different kind of prayer. The prayer isn't just for my health. It's for a healthy relationship. Mm. With my body. I am invoking heal my relationship. Help me heal my relationship with my body. Mm. Because my body cannot avoid any of my choices mm. and I cannot avoid any of its consequences. Mm. Did you hear me? Yes. My body can't be like, oh, she only taking four hours to sleep. No, we gonna get 20 anyway. No, no, no. It can't avoid my choices. I can't avoid its consequences. So to the extent that I am not honoring the unique and divine life force that this is, help me heal that. You see, because everything else comes from that. If the relationship with my body isn't healed, I'm not gonna sustain better eating practices, better exercise practices, better rest practices, right? So we got to get to a different, different level. I want to heal my relationship with my body. Yes, if y'all listening, if y'all watching, y'all should be saying that. Heal my relationship with my body. When I walk by the mirror, if I'm sucking my belly in, stop that. Mm, I'm saying, love belly. that. <laughs> I love right? If, yes. if I got to put the girdle on or put the bra thing all the way up to here, <laughs> no, get us free. The older I get, I'm choosing comfort over cute. Like who does it? Comfort over cute. You better say that. Who benefits from mm. all of my internal conversation with my body being a critique? Mm. No one. Who benefits? Certainly not me. No. So I have to, I want to heal. I don't just want to heal and be healthy. I don't just want to be, I want to heal. Yes. My, with my body that, that relationship piece with your body because who taught us how to love black woman bodies nobody who so nobody. that almost sounds foreign to me uh you Rebecca. Me? <laughs> you know, love love yourself right i mean we got to get down to we got to get down to this I don't care if you never get a massage, never get your hair did, never get your nails done. If you have a loving relationship with your body, you won. Ooh, said it. On the other hand, if you're doing all of those other things, but you still feel like 
Your body is your enemy. Your body isn't good enough. Your body isn't beautiful enough. You're losing. Then you're not winning. <laughs> right it's not the it's not the action it's the it's the relationship can i love this black skin can i love these white hips can i love the stuff it's that isn't right anymore these full lips all head this hair natural all of that right not upright rebecca upright no <laughs> Gravity, you know, we in alignment. Look, everything is moving towards the roots. I'm going to be a root woman. Everything is moving towards the roots. All this, that is real talk right here. You hear me? It's real talk. Real talk. Because you know when you write, it's going to fade. It's it, going it to is. fade. So you have to have, again, the mind of being with yourself no matter what. With yourself. Yeah, relationship with your body. That relationship with your body. And to say, like the voice that Laura was saying, you know, that inside voice that is like, oh man, you're really tired. You should sit down. Or let me tell you about what else that voice says. That voice says, there's more to you. If you have ever heard in your heart, in your mind, in your soul, there is more to you, my dear. There is more to your life. Mm. okay that's that voice and what you need in this superwoman thing letting it go what we need is to be curious about that voice. Mm -hmm. the kind of stuff that we need is free mm. it's free but it is expensive because it requires that we pay attention that's what we have to pay mm. the price we have to pay for our well-being is a reprioritization of our attention that's write that down. Y'all need to write that down, right? If, if there's anything, <laughs> take it. In point, that's the point. have to pay attention to the top. I love and you all. Wherever you go, and we got to keep talking. But thank you, thank you. I, I'll see you soon. Okay, bye bye, bye bye, Leslie. Thank you, Miss Leslie. Right. Wherever your attention goes, your energy flows. Wherever your attention goes, your energy flows. So if your attention is never on yourself. That means you'll never give yourself the energy necessary to be the fullness of who and what you are. Mm. Right, you gotta pay attention. That's the price that we have to pay. If the voice says there's more to me, there's more to my life, be curious about it, right? Curiosity, our curiosity about ourselves. Do you hear me? I'm not talking about being curious about what everybody else is doing, curious about ourselves. What do I like? What do I want? What do I need yes. right now? That's curiosity. Yes. We have to be willing to do that. That's the, that's the beginning. And that doesn't cost you. Sit your butt down and consider, what do I want? Mm. What do I need? Whether or not there's a person outside of you who's ready to receive your answers, you be ready to receive your answers. You be the midwife in your own becoming. Mm. That's right what do i want what do i need the other place that we can look we can be curious we can say no or not now we can listen to the still small voice but another thing we can do is just take a look at our lives and see any place where we have secondary satisfactions going on and when i talk about secondary satisfactions i'm really talking about stuff that we do that is an attempt to get something that we really want but it's just a substitute 
So primary satisfactions are what make life worth living. Secondary satisfactions are the, are the substitutions that we make. So for example, many of us are lonely mm. and we really want company. Mm -hmm. We want companionship. But because we don't tend to have the company we want or the companionship that we want, we'll settle for entertainment. We'll have the 65 inch TV and the cable and the Roku and the Hulu and the Disney Plus and all of that. And it'll watch us as we sleep. But what we really want is company. Are you hearing me? Mm -hmm. Companionship is a primary satisfaction. And often our substitute on entertainment is just that. Mm. Right? What we really want is pleasure. How many of us want that? For real. We want to literally feel good. <laughs> okay. We want to feel good. Yes. <laughs> right? But because we can't easily feel good, what we're going to do now is eat that cake. I'm going to get my sugar substitute for pleasure. Mm. So the way I reward myself because really what I want to do is feel good. But the way I reward myself is I get the ice cream and the cake and the da 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 Right? Or I get the man or the woman or the gender non-binary human who is not like good for me, but it's like a Snickers bar. Tastes good, less feeling. Mm. Right? Good, less feeling. <laughs> right? But, I, what, you know, and it, if that's what we want, if, if that's what we want, fine. But if what we want is something else, Right, anywhere where we're making substitutions, those are secondary satisfactions. And here's the bargain that when we are getting what we need, we default into that. Mm. We'll settle for something else. So now I'm saying here is a skill. Take a look, do what my folks in AA and NA will say, a fearless personal inventory. Let's take a look at our lives and go, where do I have substitutions? Mm. Right, where do I have substitutions? where it's not what I really want. Okay, I have to be curious enough then to ask, what is it that I really want, right? And then how can I be in relationship with that? What I really want is passion. What I really want is pleasure. What I really want is rest, right? What I really want is companionship. What I really want is adventure. I'm bored as hell doing <laughs> it, but you know, but I'm gonna eat all the spicy uh, fried foods, salty. I'm gonna get that salt. But what you really want is some spice in your life. <laughs> right? Yeah. What I really want is comfort. Okay, but I'm going to eat the fat. I'm going to eat the french fries. But what I really want is comfort. Do you understand what I'm saying? Those I aren't can. anybody else's substitutions. Those are mine. So I'm, my sugar is my pleasure. <laughs> it's my spice. The fat is no, my... No, it's real though. It's real. Inventory. You've done the work. I've done the work. So Rebecca actually go, what is it that will really give you pleasure right now? What is it that will really give you some sense of, of something more to yourself and more to your life rather than the routine, right? Rather than the management, the magic. What is it that'll really give you comfort right now? Well, if your real comfort comes from talking with a friend who really understands, pick up the phone. Mm, said it. Pick up the phone. If your real, if real pleasure for you excuse me, comes from making some time with your husband or with yourself, make that time, 
right? Make that time. This is what I really want right now. Not this ho-ho. <laughs> right? That's what I really want. It's like, that, ain't, that ain't really it, but I'm going to settle for this. <laughs> I'm going to settle for it. But we right. do that all the time. I'm going to reward myself. What you really want is to be validated for all the hard work you've done. Say that. Right. right then, who in your world will validate you? Right. Who in your, work, your world sees you and what you're doing? And then ask them, say, look, can you tell me what you see? Mm. Right? This is how we get to the real. Right? Not the fake. Superwoman is a mask. Okay. It's a mask. Now the real face, I'm saying take the mask off and come into direct relationship with your real face. So Rebecca, there's some consequences to that, right? So when you when you say take off that real, like take out that fake mask. We gotta do. We gotta look at some things. Right. right? We gotta I face think. some realities mm -hmm. that we've been trying to. Let me say, like mask, cover up, shift. Right. So there, man. You know some realities of what I really feel. <laughs> I gotta face that. That's then, real talk. That is real talk. But then on top of it, I think. The, the society now too we think of we get so caught up on what others think or what others say when we do get to the point where we're trying to unmask um and we're trying to um you know be uh with ourselves then it's it's the the outsiders who come in and try to get you oh well that's a white folks stuff you're doing white people stuff or or you're you're you you think you so good because you know it's just because you're trying to take care of yourself and you don't want to do the things that you used to do and you're unmasking you're like this didn't feed me this don't uh, like for instance take me you know say for instance just going into the natural hair and telling myself like this was a this, this is a this was a struggle for me i did not like my natural hair i could not face myself with natural hair and then now i get to the point where i'm embracing it i'm loving my myself with my my natural hair and then it's it comes when i'm like i want you to get in on this i want you to feel this then it, it feels like the outsides are like oh you're attacking me because i want to do this or i want to do that it's not about you. So I think like, let's take the personal out of when people are trying to embrace themselves and people are trying to, to love on themselves. Stop making it about you. It's not you. It's about them and what they're trying to overcome. Like, can we be supportive in whatever someone is choosing to do? Hey, if you want to do what you, if you want to wear weave down your back and your, that's great, honey, sister. That's what's up, girl. Float, wear that float, float that hair. But let me tell you, sis, I don't want that because I know how it made me feel. And I'm trying to be in love and in tune with me and my relationship with my body. So this is a step for me. So it's like, can we stop? with the 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 especially black women period women because this is what we're going to talk about when i say village because i think our problem is we don't want to support each other so now we're like i have to do it all i need to do it all because i ain't got nobody because i ain't got no friends i ain't got no i can't trust these bitches and i can't trust these hoes blah 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 can we stop this stereotype can we talk about supporting each other? Then that's when the village will start coming in. And it has to be us wanting to be authentic in building this relationship and being authentic and being ourselves. Um, 
come on y'all y'all get in on this conversation with me because I don't want to take over but I just I just really wanted to hit on this point because I think that's a lot of our issues when we're talking about how can we address it in the community it's stop with the division of us as a, a, a people as a, a, a women as black women like stop being enemies can we stop that I think, I think the opportunity here is to survey our own lives and to look at who's in our life mm. and to ask, does who's in my life represent what I am becoming, what I most want to be? Right? Mm -hmm. I mean, for real, as I look around, everybody is worthy and deserving of love. And everything wants to be loved. Love is our source. It's our most authentic self-expression, right? And it is the experience that, that we most desire, many of us. So everybody is worthy of love by virtue of being. But everybody doesn't have to be uh, in, your, in your immediate heart space. So we can take a look and say, I, I am becoming, if part of my becoming is I am someone who wants to live without masks, I'm someone who wants to be, uh, live the truth of my life. I am someone who wants to be um, more grounded, more rested. I am someone who wants to, you know, to live a life full of passion and pleasure. I am someone who wants to heal my traumas. Then I ask you, like, as you are curious about your own self, and you are coming up with these answers. Your the still small voice within says, "This is what is most what I want to be. This is what these are the seeds that are inside me that are ready to bloom." Then we look outside of ourselves and we go, "Do I see it around me? If I see it, then feed those relationships." Okay. Feed those settings, feed those circumstances. Remember, wherever our attention goes, our energy flows. So part of this is just an energy correction because so often what monopolizes our energy is the stuff we don't want. Mm -hmm. We don't want, we give a lot of our energy and attention to the shit that we tired of. Okay. Real, <laughs> right, and we wonder, we planted tomato seeds and we trying to figure out why we grew eggplants. Well. <laughs> If you plant tomato seeds, you're going to get tomatoes. Right. Right? So I'm saying we often tie that energy to the things that are least in support when the things that bring us the things we most want only gets a fraction of our energy. Mm. We're going to have to do a different kind of energy, uh, a, a kind of different energy uh, tithing. So I'm suggesting that we feed the things that feed us. If these people in your life are feeding your becoming, Spend more time with them. If these people in your life are not, send them blessings. Okay. And extract your energy. Pull back. Mm. Pull back to whatever extent you can. Right? Do not engage with the same frequency or the same depth. They may notice, and it may be a source of conflict or tension. But the, let me tell you something. If you want to live power, you're going to have to risk your safety in some ways. Mm. Can you repeat that one? Go ahead. If mm. you want to live the fullness of your power, you're going to have to risk some of what we identify as safety and security 
which is often social acceptance and other people's approval. Mm. You don't have to make a choice. Do I want to be the I want to be the fullness of who and what I am created to be? Or do I want to be, you know, safe within the confines of other people's expectations of me? That's a grown-up choice. Yes. That's a grown-up choice. Yeah. You want to know when you're grown-up? When you are facing that decision and you choose what is most truthful and powerful about yourself. Now, it doesn't have to come like, you know, big Hollywood with the neon lights and all of that. These choices can start really small. Right. This is my truth right now. I'm tired. I'm taking my happy butt to bed. Right? I'm honoring my body right now because I'm tired. No, don't ask me for nothing else. Right? That is that in that way is me honoring myself. And let me ask who around me does that well? If I want more of that, then let me be in closer relationship with the people who do that well so that they can reinforce either through their modeling and or through their direct feedback to me. They can reinforce those patterns of behavior. Sometimes it's not people uh, directly pouring into me as it is me just looking at their model and their example. Mm -hmm. That becomes, and to keep feeding myself with those examples until such time as I'm in close relationship with people who are actually living it. We can do that. So you wanna have a life of pleasure? Well, who in your world is living a life of pleasure? Right, and if there's nobody in your world, but there is somebody in the book or somebody on the TV or somebody in the, on the play or somebody in the, bring that, give your attention to that. Mm. Right, this is how we begin to turn the, we begin to turn the tides. If they're those who are no longer working in situations that are exploitive and they are entrepreneurial doing their own thing or they're working with organizations that appreciate and celebrate their talent, right? Then be in closer relationship with that as you seek to move out of an exploitive situation. That's how we begin to, we give our energy to what we most want to be and experience. That's the shift. Little by little by little by little by little by little until such time as we look up and we realize we're no longer invested in the bullshit. That point. We have literally extracted, taken our energy and energy is currency. People think money is currency. Currency is energy. Everything, everything is, everything is competing for your energy. Mm. Advertisers, all of them, your attention is what? Energy. So when you start taking your energy away from these things, little by little by little by little, first in your head or in your mind or in your imagination, then in your feet, then in your hands, it'll happen. So just start where you can. It doesn't have to be all or nothing, but let us feed less the things that don't feed us. That point, that point. Beautiful. That is, that is. I mean, I feel like there is nothing else left. I mean, that's plenty more left, but we, I feel like we should just definitely end it there. Um, and I mean, thank you ladies. Um, again, I appreciate this conversation. I definitely feel like we need more and we will continue this conversation on the Hood Talks podcast. Um, but uh, again, I hope everyone is tuned in. You got some gems because she they dropped some gems 
Um, I hope that whoever gets to listen, that this helps and like maybe even bringing you aware of it is something out there called superwoman syndrome. And it is right now highly killing black women um, because we are trying to do it all. And we have a society that tell us we have to do it all. And that is not true. Um, so if anything, put your attention towards what superwoman syndrome is and how you can heal from that and, and um, take care of yourself. Um, again, thank you everybody that's tuning in. We have uh, one more show this month. It's called uh, Black Men uh, Mentors Matter. That will be live July 24th. So we will have a panel of people talking about um, mentorship from uh, Black men. Actually, this will be an all Black men uh, panel again, um, specifically talking about Black men mentors. Um, we also have the Kicking It For A Cause segment that will be happening tonight at 5 p.m. So come check us out. That's uh, Kicking It For A Cause live on Facebook. That's me, you know, our DJ AP, shout out to Alan and Miss Kelly herself over at Evolve. Um, so tune into that and you know have a conversation with us. But again, y'all, thank you guys for tuning into the Hood Talks podcast. You can find out more about us at www.thehoodtalks.com. We always got shirts for sale. Shout out to the comments. I saw someone ask, we need a shirt called No More uh, Sit Your Badass Down or Some Superwoman. So I'm gonna look into making that happen for this superwoman segment. <laughs> I love that. <laughs> Sit your ass down, superwoman. <laughs> But yeah, take, if anything you didn't take from this segment, make sure you take that. Sit your ass down on this rainy day. Tune in to something that's going to get y'all attention to some positivity. And uh, yeah, take care of yourself, Black women. Take care of yourself. We love y'all and we are out.